I am thrilled to announce that An Actor Despairs is partnering with a wonderful CBD company called Kind Farms. Everyone out there has heard of CBD. I started taking it a few years ago when I first started getting sober and to help with my anxiety. Sadly, as one can do, I was overtraining in the gym and a friend recommended a topical and a tincture to help with the pain. I tried it. It was okay. However, recently, I was introduced to a product that has really changed my life. Not only has it helped me with anxiety, but I am stronger than I have ever been. I'm able to carry out lifts my body used to prevent me from doing. Kind Farm products have single-handedly changed my life athletically and personally. They utilize 100% local licensed farmers, organic cultivation, and CO2 extraction for superior CBD. Kind Farms is turning CBD to a kind alternative to pharmaceuticals. Let's transform tobacco row into hemp row. If you want to get involved, please reach out. Together, we can make a difference. You can use my code RYAN10 for 10% off. You can find them on Instagram at Kind Farms Inc., all one word. That's K I N D P H A R M S I N C. And their website is kindfarmsinc.com. Once again, my code for 10% off is Ryan10. And now, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Today on An Actor Despairs, I am so grateful to have Zoe Tapper. She has a new amazing show that just came out this weekend called The One on Netflix. It's an incredible show. I blew through it two times. I had so much fun watching it, and she's so amazing in the show. You've seen her in other things like Mr. Selfridge. She's been working a lot in London. She went to Central like a lot of our other former guests. I'm so grateful to have had her on the show. Zoe, I love you. You're the future. Zoe Tapper, welcome to An Actor Despairs. It is such a pleasure to meet you and connect with you. You are amazing. I just had the chance to spend the weekend watching The One, and what a show. You, I mean, in a show that has a lot of characters, I, I'm, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. You really, <laughs> you on, really stole on. it. You, you stole the show. <laughs> and I just like, you're, 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 you're so beautiful inside and out. And I, you know, I had a chance to watch a little bit of Mr. Selfridge and it's so cool to see you, you know, be able to do the period and the modern and, and you went to central, which uh, we spoke about before recording. Rufus went yeah. to as well. So he did. yeah, I'm super excited to talk to you about your oh, career. Oh, well, that's, so what a lovely introduction. I'm very, very happy to be here to talk to you about everything. How yeah. Lovely. You have an amazing smile. Wow. I need to <laughs> I need to visit your Stop. dentist. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness, I'm gonna be blushing the whole way through this interview. <laughs> it's all good. It's all it's all meant to be a celebration of you. But uh, Thank you. so if it's cool with you, let's dig from the very beginning. You grew up in England, right? Yeah, I grew up in England. Um, I grew up just outside London. It's a little town um, called Orpington, which I'm sure you won't have heard of. Um, but it's just on the outskirts of London, sort of a suburb of London. Okay. Um, yeah, and I went to school there. Um, and it was a sort of... Um, it's, the suburbs are funny. I don't know if it's the same in America. Um, but the suburbs of London are, are a, a, an interesting place because they're so close to the centre of town. So they're they're so close to the bright lights and the cinemas and the theatres and everything that's exciting about being in a city. Yeah. But they're just that little bit 
removed as well. So you get a kind of combination of people who, um, some of whom live there because they want to be so close to the city. Yeah. And some people live there and never, ever visit the city. Wow. So you sort of, you can kind of, you can kind of get lost there a little bit. And, and, um, and my experience was very much that I, I loved where I lived. I had a very happy sort of childhood, lovely family. Um, but I was always drawn to the bright lights. I was So always, you were coming to London often? Uh, yeah, definitely and oh. and in and you know my parents were um were brilliant in that respect because they always took us out everywhere we went to all the museums we went to all this kind of shows and you know so that really sort of opened my eyes to what what was out there and then you suddenly kind of went back to a little suburban street and kind of went when am I going to be allowed to do this by myself <laughs> that's so radical I love that what what do your parents do um, so they are retired now, but my mum has been in education for most of her career. She um, worked at a further education college for 16 to 18 year olds. Okay. Um, and she was the, the vice principal there. And my dad, um, businessman, he actually was a wine buyer for a long period of time for um, a big supermarket chain over here called Sainsbury's. Um, so very, um, very interesting jobs and yeah. they were they are very very um hard-working people but but not nothing to do with the arts funny enough yeah. so that, that's exactly my next question is how did that kind of open itself up to you I mean you said living so close to London were you seeing a lot of theater like you know in what we I don't know if you guys call them the same thing but we call them field trips you know when you're in school like was that a part of schooling going in to see something at the West End or um, not so much with school, um, but my parents definitely, they took me to see a number of shows. We always went somewhere at Christmas. Um, and as I got older and I got much more involved in doing sort of drama with um, with the school and with kind of amateur companies, um, then that's always what I wanted to do. So they did. They took me to, to lots of things um, in the West End. Um, but I don't know where it came from initially. I think I've got some kind of crazy heritage whereby um i've got some ancestors who um were traveling theater goers or traveling wow. they had their own traveling theater company and uh, my great aunt sybil was um a dancer in the chorus line for george formby i don't know if you know who george formby is i don't um, but i i want to lie and say i, I love him <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was this kind of um working class um singer in the 1950s and he used to play ukulele and he used oh, to sing wow. When I'm cleaning windows, like he's, uh, he was, he had this famous song called "When I'm Cleaning Windows." That's awesome. Um, but so Aunt Sybil was a dancer, and so there's a there's a few sort of historical links, I guess. But in my direct family, um, there wasn't, and I suppose my my route in was um, was just by. I, my next door neighbours, actually, my parents' next door neighbours were really heavy involved in this amateur dramatic society. Wow. And um, one day they asked if I'd like to be a fairy in A Midsummer Night's Dream because um, they were putting on a production of that and would I like to be a part of it? And I just, you know, I had like one line and yeah. I just could sort of float around with a nice costume. And I was totally. like, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Um, and then I kind of went there and, you know, I had quite a sort of, reserved sort of life I suppose until then and suddenly it was that feeling that I think we all get sometimes when we're working or when we go to drama yeah. school where you suddenly go oh these are my people I found yeah, them totally. and I think that was my first experience of that really of finding people who 
who kind of I totally connected with and I got and I loved it so much and um and so I ended up doing loads of stuff there and with, with um, that company yeah with that amateur dramatic society um Bromley Little Theatre it was called oh and, that's amazing um, yeah so so that sort of and and I used to love that because it was something that completely separate from school completely yeah. separate from you know those sort of as you're growing up you kind of get involved with the sort of dynamics and the politics of school it was had nothing to do with any of that yeah um and yeah and I loved it but I, I don't know I don't know if I ever thought that that was going to be my career I didn't know I not because I didn't want it to be I think just because I didn't know anybody who did that as a for a living or uh you know earn, earn money from it i didn't yeah. really understand that that was something that you could do until probably S much later specifically on. theater or acting in general well acting in general i guess yeah, i mean yeah. i obviously you know i was quite little when i started doing that but as i got older and i started you know really engaging with programs that i loved and um i, I sort of began to twig that that could be something yeah um but again, because I sort of, I went to uh, an all-girls school, like a state, you know, comprehensive school. That must school, have been but it tough. Was, <laughs> it was, it's a strange environment when you're growing up, I think, as yeah. a teenager. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it has good thing, good aspects to it and bad aspects, I think. Because I've, I've what, what it did create was um, an amazing group of women who are still my friends today, you know. Oh, I have, that, that's so beautiful. Yeah, and I have an incredible... Um, you know, lovely group of, of women who all do different things. There's one's a maths teacher, one's a scientist, um, one's a trader, you know, they, they, they're brilliant. Yeah. Um, and that's given me such a lovely kind of foundation in a, you know, especially in a world where it's quite tough sometimes. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, school, I suppose weren't that, um, encouraging necessarily of my, I, the, of the ideas that I started to get about wanting to be an actor. They, I think they thought it was much, you know, it was, it was going to be much more fruitful for me to, to get my education, to go to university, to study English literature, which is something that I loved. Was it a um, religious school or were they more conservative yeah. or just that was their approach? Um, no, it wasn't a religious school. It was, um, it was just a quiet sort of um, school in the suburbs. Who okay. It wasn't that they didn't want me to pursue something that I loved. I just think that there was always a more sensible option. Yeah. And, um, you know, I remember even when we did, um, we had these kind of work experience weeks where you have a week where you go into a company or do something that you get a little taste of what you might want to do for your career. And I said to them, well, can I can I do something in the theatre? I'd love to just yeah. go to the theatre and do something. And they kind of, you know, thought about it for a bit. And then when they handed me the envelope with my work placement, they had me working for the London Underground instead. What? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what, they wanted you to be a tube worker? What the hell? <laughs> I really don't know. I think yeah. they were just scraping the barrel. I yeah. Think they literally had no idea how to contact anyone in the theatre world. And so they just, you know, gave me what was left. Yeah. Um, was it fun at least? Uh, well, actually, you know what? I didn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to do it. So I ended uh -huh. up finding my own work experience in a theatre. Oh, in, go you. In a kind, but it wasn't, I, it wasn't really the experience I was after. I ended up working the whole week in the canteen and just serving people hot dogs. <laughs> so, um, 
it wasn't quite the bright lights that I'd imagined, but you know, it was still work experience, I guess. <laughs> That's amazing. And, and at this amateur drama program, were there males as well? So you were getting Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that wasn't linked to school. So my school was separate from the right. amateur dramatics thing. That was um something that anyone could join, you know. You and actually lots of people were um much older because it was, you know, lots of people who had retired were doing this as Oh, it wasn't just up to eighteen. It was of any age. Yeah, any age, any wow, age. Wow, yes. that's so cool. Yeah, so, and that, again, I think was a lovely um, eye-opener for me as a sort of teenager because, you know, you sort of, or well, my world was quite small and I, you know, it's my parents and I had a, have a big brother and and then, you know, going to school every day and then suddenly you sort of meet other adults, you know, and older adults and it kind of, I started to realise, and I, I don't know if you find this as well, but what's lovely, I think, um, being an actor is that you end up with friends of all ages. Yeah, you know, they, it's the you, best you know, part. Yeah. It's so good. Like you don't, some people, are, you, you sort of end up with everybody who's in your life is the same age as you. Whereas, you know, I have actors in their 80s. And no, I think it's imperative and, to have that kind of dynamic of of range of friends and to have people that have done it all and, 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 and succeeded and people that have not, it's not worked out for just to have that. It's invaluable to have that kind of, you know, conglomerate. And yeah, did you have a, a mentor or a mentee there um, that kind of helped you? No. Well, um, th- I mean, the amateur dramatic society was wonderful in the sense that um, because I was so committed to it and I was so passionate about it, I got to play, um, all sorts of roles that perhaps weren't even really suitable for me. I was, you know, I was playing old women. Sometimes I was playing boys because I didn't have enough boys. I, you wow. know, I had a whole range of, so in a way it was, it was just a real adventure and somewhere that I could really explore this sort of new world that no one else seemed to know about. Um, and, and, and really, I think at school as much as, Oh, actually, I was at school with some. So I was at school with Ruth Negger. You know the actress Ruth Negger. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, so there were kind of like it's just sort of strange, like little um, group of people who've actually gone on to become actors, but um, but they weren't that encouraging of it. Not because they were being mean spirited, just because it it just wasn't. It was just not something that they understood really. Yeah. Um. But I did have a wonderful English teacher. And um, she really was quite special and she was quite an extrovert and flamboyant. She used to wear kind of incredible big jewellery and and sort of 80s clothes. And she used to, you know, read Shakespeare and give it her all. And and I do remember loving those lessons because she brought the words to life, um, which is essentially obviously what what we do as actors. Um, So I think I I was all set to... um, to study English I, was, I had a place to go to study English at university um and uh, and then it was it was at the last minute really that I just suddenly went ah I don't know if I want yeah. to do that I want to be an actress and I think if I go to university for four years and then how do I do it and I still have to go to drama school and then right. I'm going to be that much older by the time I've even yeah. started my career and so um so in the end, I just, I didn't go. I didn't go to university and I took a year out, um, a sort of gap year. Wow. And, I love um, that. Yeah. And then auditioned for drama school and, and ended up at Central. At, at the, before we move into Central, at the amateur, were you doing a blend of contemporary and classical? Yes. Yes. I'm trying to think we did um, 
uh, we did quite a lot of classical. We did. I remember very clearly doing the Crucible, okay. and I remember doing Volpone. Wow. Um, but I used to also do a pantomime. Do you know pantomimes? Of course. Yeah, yeah. 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 I did. I don't know if it's. I thought it might just be a particularly British thing, but no, um, we, we do like commedia dell'arte pantomime. Okay. All okay, that. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, I used to do the pantomimes every year. It was it was a really beautiful community based theatre, and it still exists today, actually. Um, and but I haven't been back for a long time. It's it's probably about time I. Did well, I'm go sure back they're really. so proud of you. You know, you're taking over the world, and that's <laughs> that's amazing. So when you went to apply for schools, did you do the classic Rada Lambda Central? Yeah, yeah. So there was, there's kind of, I don't know, there were about six of them. That, yeah, like uh, Bristol, kind of, Old Vic, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So I did all of them. I did, the, yeah, Rada Central, Lambda, Guildhall, Bristol, Old Vic. Um, yeah, I did all of those. And uh, How did the auditions go? Because I know that's a crazy process. Yeah, did you go to drama school? I did. I went to NYU yeah. here in America. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is a crazy process. I mean, to this day, I remember that period of time being one of the most stressful times of my life. <laughs> I totally understand why. <laughs> and, um, and you know, and it, I, everything attached to drama school really stays with you, even from those early auditions. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I do remember, I think particularly with Central, which... I'd, I'd really wanted to get into Central because I don't know. I just knew that Judy Dench had been there. And yeah, I think okay. for me at that time, particularly. They all have well, their particular alumni. It's like, yeah, we're yeah, so Daniel Day-Lewis, Guildhall, you know. Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was definitely old Judy. And um, and so they. I remember I'd had the first round and then I'd come back again for a second round and then I'd come back again I think for a third round and at a few of the different schools or just this was this was at central but I I am in my final round at central I remember they had me I was going into we you know have to do a modern um monologue and and a classical monologue Although for the life of me, I can't actually remember what I did now, which is ridiculous. But anyway, I remember going in to do my classical one and there was a panel of about six teachers and they just kept sending me out of the room with another piece of direction. So I'd do, do my speech. They'd send me out of the room, think about this, come back in again. And I I kept going in and out. And there was another guy who actually is still a friend of mine today, but there was another guy sitting outside that every time I came out of the room thought it was his turn to go in. So he every time I came out, he'd kind of get up off, off his seat. And I'm like, no, it's not you. It's still me. <laughs> it's still me. Still that's, me. that's amazing. Um, but uh, but he eventually got in as well, thankfully. And um, and I did too. But I, yeah, it was a stressful time. Definitely. Yeah, they They're, really draw it out and keep you on your eggs the whole time. I, yeah, that's yeah, amazing yeah. you got in. Congratulations. <laughs> what, how, how were your parents? Were they receptive to the idea of drama um, school? They were. In fact, my when I rang my dad, or I rang my parents, but my dad answered the phone and he... And I told him that I'd got in. He actually cried, which, which for my dad is quite unusual. He's not particularly emotionally open like that. And um, and I, I just think he knew how much it meant to me. And so they were, yeah, they've always been incredibly supportive of my career. And and um, and they, yeah, they were thrilled for me. I think it, it still remains quite a surprise to them that I, I chose this route in life because yeah. I just think it's a very different route from the one that either of them took, but, um, but they love it and they're very, um, they're very supportive. Yeah. As, as they should be. And I, I was central, you know, I mean, that's three years, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's three years. Um, I've had mixed kind of views on my time at Central. Like, uh, on the whole, I think it was a really invigorating, necessary experience. Yeah. And I don't know how else I would have penetrated the industry. It was definitely the only route that I could foresee in. I didn't know anybody else in the industry. I wanted to have that sort of rigorous classical training. Um, so it's definitely the right place for me to go. Um, but there were times that, you know, there were, there were things that I agreed with about the course and there are things that in hindsight I look back on and I go, mm, I'm not so sure. You know, I think I saw quite a lot of students going through the doors with, um, with sharp instincts and a lot of enthusiasm and the ones that left sometimes there were some that that were kind of, that was kind of beaten out of them a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they, um, they break you down to make you. That's from my yeah, school. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And I kind of recognize the benefits of that, but I also think you have to be very careful how you break someone down. Totally, and you also have to be careful that you don't leave them broken because yeah. actually, I think that there were a lot of people in my year who who just instead of it that sort of breaking down of who you are giving you the freedom to create new characters. I think it just gave them more hangups. Yeah. Um, Same thing when uh, half my students dropped out of my year. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's crazy what it can do. It really is. And I think even yeah. from my, I mean, it was quite a long time ago now that I went to drama school, but there's only, I can count on like one hand how many of us are still acting. Wow. Um, so it, you know, it's brutal and, and, I don't know. I think it's probably changed quite a lot. I, I mentor um, a couple of students every year there. Um, and that just involves me, you know, just being someone on the other end of a line, really, and just yeah. kind of ask questions about and about the industry and my experience. And, and I didn't have that when I was there. And I think, you know, things have changed. You know, I think that's a really helpful thing to have, to have yeah. someone in the industry who can talk you through some of the pitfalls of what they've experienced. Um but, you know, at the same time, I also had a ball, you know, I, it was, I was 18 and I yeah. had, I, again, I found a group of people who suddenly got me and I got them and we were all, we all were thrown in together and we all worked really hard and we all loved what we were doing. And, you know, it was, it was, it was such a unique time and only those people will ever really understand that time. And, yeah. and I think, I think it it was special and and you know ultimately it it paved the way for my career which is is always going to be you know a, a good thing so yeah totally so you know for those who aren't actors listening at most drama schools it, it leads to a showcase which um you guys had in central right yeah 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 it, yeah showcase that, yeah and then how did that go for you um so i had quite an unusual sort of start on leaving central because yeah we had a showcase we had um a final show um and prior to me doing my final show I um had started to get a bit anxious about the situation because the, the final year is a tricky year anyway because you sort of sort of stop your training and it's all about preparing you yeah. for the industry so you're trying to get agents to come and see you. You're trying to, you know, sending out your headshots and getting all the sort of paperwork sorted. And slowly but surely, as you go through the year, people start getting picked off. You know, you do these shows and you do these showcases and, and people start getting chosen by agents. And, you know, the nerves start to... Yeah, you know, the pressure in. builds. Yeah, and it got to the 
second term, I think. So there's three terms in, in the year. I got to the second term. I didn't have an agent. I hadn't really had much interest. I hadn't had that many. Um, I felt like the roles that I'd been given in the year hadn't really allowed me to sort of really showcase who I was as an actor. And so I started kind of thinking, well, I've got to do something about this. And yeah. I, at the time, um, there was this, you know, this is, <laughs> it sounds like I lived in the dark ages, but at the time it, it was like kind of pre-internet. Like it wasn't like, you know, it was 2003. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't, we weren't so much on the internet all the time. So the, the school um, subscribed to this industry magazine called PCR, okay. which was this like, it was bright red, this red magazine that used to have adverts in it and it had notifications of productions that were happening and jobs that were potentially available and audition notices. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was it was kind of in the in the school library. You couldn't take it out of the library. It was this precious thing. It was it was red because you couldn't um, it, it wouldn't allow you to photocopy it. No so it was, way. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so I started kind of religiously looking through this magazine every week. And one week I saw this advert for a film that was being made in London and it was called Complete Female Stage Beauty. Yeah. And it said that they were looking for a new face to um, play the, the role of Nell Gwynn in um, this big sort of period costume drama film. And there was very specific um, attributes this this person had to have sort of physically which again I think has changed now they wouldn't dare put those no, sorts of no things way. down now. yeah um but they but they sort of put certain things down and I just decided that I I sort of fitted the bill and yeah. that I there was no reason why I shouldn't get shouldn't audition for it totally um but I had you know I'm I'm a I am a bit of a sort of go-getter and I, and I do, I used to write lots of letters um, when I was emerging as an actor and I'd written so many letters and sent out so many headshots and, and I've never really received much response. As and most so, actors don't, you know, you spend yeah. all that time putting yourself out there for such little return. It can break I your know, heart. It's yeah. It's so heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, so, so for some reason on that day, when I saw this advert, I just thought, you know, sod it, I'm going to be a bit bolder about it. And so I sent a letter, um, a letter, I mean, who sends letters? Yeah, I know. I sent, I sent a letter to um, the casting director, who was this brilliant woman called Celestia Fox. Um, and she used to do all the Merchant Ivory films. I don't, oh, I don't wow. think she, she does anymore, but... Um, I sent her a letter basically saying, and I had no idea who she was, but I sent her a letter and it said, Dear Celestia, I am Nell Gwynn. You'd be a fool not to cast me in your film. I love <laughs> and, it. Badass. And, it, and I basically just sent that off and forgot about it. And I uh, and I didn't, I remember I didn't even have enough money to buy a first class stamp. I had to buy a second class stamp. So, wow. I, you know, I just kind of sent it off and didn't think um, any more of it. And then... Um, and then about a week later, I got a call on my phone to say, um, oh, hello, this is Celeste Fox here. Um, we'd like to invite you to an audition. Um, Amazing. So, so suddenly I was kind of at drama school. I had no idea about going to an audition. I was still, you know, I had no agent, still really kind of green and naive about everything. And, um, and I arrived at this house in Clapham in London and uh, Celestia opened the door. She sort of left it open for me. I followed her down to her basement, which was, covered in kind of incredible posters of all the films she'd cast wow. <laughs> and I suddenly kind of went oh my god um 
And I sat and delivered an audition for this role who was, uh, you know, Nell Gwynn was uh, the, the mistress of Charles II and she, was, she used to be an orange seller and she was it's a very vivacious um, Cockney Sparrow. Yeah. Um, and so I delivered this, this audition and then kind of walked out shaking. And um, a few days later, I got another call and said, we'd like you to come back and meet the director, Richard Eyre. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he directed Notes on a Scandal and he, you know, he's, he's obviously, a, he, he used to um, head up the National Theatre, you know, big deal. So I was suddenly thinking, goodness me, this is serious. Yeah. So I went to meet him and then I um, was called back again to do a screen test and a costume fitting. And then I got the part. And all of a sudden, I was just like, Jesus, I've, I haven't told anyone that I've even done these auditions. Yeah. I'm still at drama school. And suddenly, I have a part in a film. And I don't know who to tell or what to do or what, How to what? take time off. Yeah. 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 So, um, so then I sort of rang lovely Celestia back and said, um, so uh, I don't have an agent. Like, what happens? Do I negotiate my own contract? I mean, what yeah. happens? And she kind of just went, oh, for goodness sake. You know, she was so annoyed by the fact that she had to deal with it. For goodness sake, I'll, I'll sort it out. I'll get someone to come and see. When's your next play? And I said, oh, um, I, I don't know. And I'll let you know. She said, tell me all the dates and I'll send a couple of agents. Wow. And so I then kind of went to my head of year and said, like, I need an, a good opportunity <laughs> to yeah, showcase please. what I can do. Um, so I then... Um, was given this brilliant part actually in a play called the glory of living okay. and um and this these agents came to see me and one of whom said afterwards i really would like to represent you and um and we went from there and i've been with her ever since i've never had no way you have yeah, yeah, yeah. i yeah. love when that happens yeah, yeah. that's amazing how, how was so, the experience of filming that movie well it was it was it was mind blowing. I mean, now, you know, when I've had quite a lot of experience on sets, it, you, you forget what it's like it, when you first do it. And, you know, I was playing Nell Gwynn, who was the mistress to Charles II, who was played by Rupert Everett. Um, it was a film with Claire Danes and Billy Crudup. Oh, so it was a and, big movie. Yeah. Oh, it was a big wow. Movie. Are you, are and, you, I thought this was like a non union. I didn't realize it, it was like a proper, no way proper big movie it was um it was it was astonishing and I was sharing a flat with my friend and you know I was being picked up every day like picked up every day in a car you had a driver I, mean, I love it <laughs> I had a driver and I was being taken to Shepperton Studios or and and I remember ringing my mum from like the dressing room that they put me in and you know next to Claire Dane's dressing room you know, I was oh, like no way. I, you know, and you know, I grew up with Romeo and Dad, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Oh, like Claire it's Dane the best. Was, was like a god. She still is a goddess, yeah. obviously. Um, and uh, I just remember ringing my mom from the dressing room and going, "Mom, mom, you'll never guess. They've, they've left me some fruit. There's a fruit bowl <laughs> in the dressing oh my room." God. I was so excited by everything. It was just like it was. It was mind blowing. That's and, so beautiful. Um, and you know, and I was still working. You know, I was still working as a waitress. So every night that driver would drop me back to the restaurant where I was working so I would have a whole day of filming I'd get changed into my waitress outfit get in the car and then be dropped off at the restaurant and do a whole evening's worth of work in the restaurant oh my god and and then but you know I was 
buzzing with adrenaline. So I could have have taken over the world at that stage. You know, it was just, it was extraordinary. That's amazing. And did that film really help you get your career started in London? Yeah. So, um, so it was eventually called stage beauty. That was the, the, the name of it in the end. Um, and it did, I mean, I, I think it's tricky, isn't it? Because I think that first job is often really important. You just need, you need that, you just need that foot in the door. And and once you get in the door and you can actually get an opportunity to sort of show what you can do, then, then sort of work breeds more work. And, um, and that's, I, you know, I still, it was, it was a, a weird time to begin with, I think, because, you know, films take a long time to, to get edited and, and the yeah. post-production takes a while. So, so I'd kind of done this big film and then back to the restaurant waitressing. Yeah. Um, but I did, you know, I did start to have some steady sort of smaller little jobs that came in. And then when the film did come out, um, I got a couple of really lovely jobs and yeah. And then it started to build from there. So it was, it was, you know, it was a really lucky, fortunate, but you know, wonderful experience. It was great. That's amazing. And and I know something that's tricky in London is, you know, you guys really do a lot of period aristocratic dramas, you know, and, and I, we were talking earlier off air about Peaky Blinders and, you know, mm. kind of mythologizing the working class is relatively more an American phenomenon were you going up for a, a lot of period shows at, at first? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think that's definitely what happened because especially this this show uh, was you know seventeenth century and it was all corsets and big hats and wigs and um, I definitely for a long period in my twenties got. Um, I, I just wasn't allowed into the, you know, 20, 20th century or 21st century. Because they saw yeah. you do that so well. So they're like, oh, well, of yeah. course, we'll hire her to do this again yeah. and again. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Because at the time, I remember I remember I played a lot of prostitutes. That was yeah. what happened to begin yeah. with. Um, and I, I got to a stage where I sort of rang up my agent. I went, mm, maybe not so many prostitutes from now on. Yeah, please. Um, <laughs> Uh, although you know it all comes in full circle now I look yeah. up and I go wait what happened to the prostitutes <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um but yeah I did I did a lot of period costume drama and it's again it's the same thing whereby I think when you're doing lots of kind of classical stuff or period stuff you're you, you hanker after doing something a bit more contemporary but yeah. there are plenty of actors I've worked with who l- would love to do some period stuff and never yeah. get cast in that so part of it is based on a look I think some people have more sort of some people just have faces that kind of could have belonged in the past and and some people just have really really new faces um so I think yeah I spent quite a lot of time um doing period costume drama but you know I loved it and it was such an amazing experience yeah yeah, and and I know you did something in the West End and at the Globe what was that experience like yeah so um so yeah my first theatre job was in the West End, amazingly. Um, and it was a play called Epitaph for George Dillon. And it was a John Osborne play, which was, um, who was who's a you know, famous British playwright who writes, who used to write in sort of 50s and 60s, these kind of angry young men characters. Yeah. Um, and the, the show was a sort of vehicle really for um, Joseph Fiennes. He was, he was playing the lead. Okay. Um, and... Uh, I sort of played this sort of quite sort of frivolous young woman who kind of totally fell for him and he slightly yeah. took advantage of her. Um, and, you know, and it was, 
it was a, an, a fantastic experience. It was a daunting experience yeah. for sure. And um, the director was a guy called um, Peter Gill, who um, is so hard in the sense that I remember my audition with him. Um, he only allowed me to say one line in the audition. I'd, I'd, re I'd rehearsed a whole sort of couple of pages of, of text. And the, the very opening line was, um, hello, I'm home. Like this kind of calling out to her mom. Yeah. Like, and um, so I said that, and then he went again, and said, hello, I'm home. Again, hello, I'm home. And I, I'm, he just made me do it probably 25, 30 times. Wow. And then after that, he just went, okay, thank you, see you, bye. And I was just like, there's that, absolutely no way I've got that yeah, job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I literally couldn't say those words anymore. I, yeah. Um, and then amazingly I did. And, and all he was doing, I think was listening out. Uh, he was, he was just seeing if I could, I could hear the differences yeah. with the, it, he, he directs in a way that's all about rhythm ah. and the play had this very distinct kind of rhythm. It was a, it was a big bustling family and there was a whole dynamic where we all bounced off each other and he wanted to make sure that we could really hear, yeah. um, and listen to each other. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was, it was brilliant. It was a really big learning curve and, um, it must and have been I, so I, cool I loved it. from growing up in the suburbs and going to the West end to finally being yeah. on it. Did you have that moment on the stage where you're like, yeah, yeah, that's so great. Yeah. I mean, oh. I, God, I mean, I remember, yeah, it's just, even now, you know, it's, it's sort of, it is a very special experience to kind of, I don't want to sound too too cheesy no. with this, but but you know it's so it is a kind of little dream that's come true, yeah. you know, a big dream that's come true when you see your sort of name and your picture outside a theatre in the West End, you know, yeah. when when that's absolutely what you've always been desperate to do. So it was a it was a very very um, special moment, and uh, oh, yeah, so beautiful, yeah. I'm so glad you had that. I wish you could have seen it. And, oh. and what what about the Globe? How was that? You know, I mean, so oh, uh, yeah. Well, that kind of takes theatre to a whole nother level because it's just, it's actually uh, petrifying. Yeah, <laughs> and, I can only um, imagine. Um, it's, um, say working at the Globe was kind of the nearest thing to kind of um, playing at a rock concert I think I'll ever get, you know. Oh, like, wow. What because a cool it's, way. yeah, because I think it's it's like, um, it, it's such an open stage. I don't know if you've visited the Globe. I've been but, outside, um, not inside. Yeah. yeah so you know that it's open air yeah. and it's, um it's all just natural lighting so there's no artificial lighting or anything like that there's no production values as such so you're just on a bare stage with um you know I don't even know how many people I think there's like 2,000 people I don't know yeah. um and you can there are no lights going down it's not like you know when you're in a theater in the west end the lights go down you can't you see anybody and you can disappear into your world yeah you can see every single face staring at you wow and um and you also get these mega fans who these kind of shakespeare sort of total fans who stand because you can stand as well in the pit at the front of the stage oh like classical shakespeare yeah style. yeah and they stand there and they've got the script they've got the text in front of them and as you're saying your lines, they're following it in front of you. They're oh. reading the text and checking. And if there's a tiny little sort of blip, they're like, like oh my god, <laughs> that would tweak me out. It's hard not yeah. being off book, man. You don't yeah. need that extra pressure, of course. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got like pigeons flying in, 
And then you've got, you know, you could be doing it one day in boiling hot weather or you could be doing it in an absolute thunderstorm and you're drenched. You know, it's, wow. it's kind of... So it, rain or shine. Rain or shine, you know, you, you just do it all summer and it's it's such a blast. And it is it is terrifying, but in a kind of way that you just, you know, that feels good. Yeah, it's so <laughs> badass. And I'm sure that made yeah. you fearless in a lot of ways. And then... Uh, I know we're kind of skipping around a little bit, but then you did Mr. Selfridge and what was that experience like? I mean, I know that's another costume drama, but yeah. it was a, it was a big one. Was that fun? Yeah, it was. I played a really, um, a really fun character, Ellen Love, she's called. Um, and she was, uh, sort of the face of Selfridge. So she was kind of brought on board by Mr. Selfridge played yeah. by Jeremy Piven. And she was brought on board to kind of advertise, um, this company, but also she ends up sort of having an affair with him and getting very sort of broken by him. So it was it was fun because I got that those very sort of those two sides of, yeah. of her, you know, to play those two sides of her. So this kind of very showy, flamboyant, extroverted side, and then um, a woman who basically was was on the edge and yeah. and was being pushed further and further to the edge by this man that she was in love with. Um, so it was it was a it was a it was a really good experience and I loved the character and um, yeah, I think I, th and it was also came at a point in my life where um, I'd had like my first child and um, so I'd started to kind of, you know, which changes a lot of things obviously in life, everything, but also yeah. with everything. And I remember Mr. Selfridge particularly because it was filmed in London and at the time, um, I was getting lots of jobs that were not filmed in London before that. And, and I was getting kind of like, I don't want to be leaving my, my new baby. And, right, um, right. and so I do remember it being this kind of lovely experience of going, actually I can pop in, do some brilliant stuff and then go home and, you know, become kind of, you know, get yeah, a baby being maternal. sick on me. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that was, that was a really positive time in my life. Yeah. That's amazing. And then you were so great in that. And now we're here to talk about, the one, you know, yeah, that the it's, one. speaking of finally modern dramas and contemporary. You yeah. Know, so how did this come your way? It, it, it's I for those listening, it's a show about being uh, matched with your what is I guess you call the one. And yeah, that's uh, how much I can probably say without giving too much away. But uh, <laughs> so did you know the novel? How did this happen? So, um, no, I didn't know the novel. I, I, it just happened like any other audition, really. I got, I got um, wow. an audition come through from my agent, but I actually happened to be on holiday at the time. Um, so I was in Croatia on no holiday. Way. And um, I, this has happened to me a couple of times, actually, which is it's sort of telling in a way. I always find that it, when you have to tape, um, put yourself on tape for an audition kind of outside of your usual environment it sort of works to your advantage because I think sometimes I don't know about you but particularly at this moment in time where we're all yeah. sort of shut away in our homes and and we, we're not allowed to really go and have auditions face to face and we're all kind of doing these self-tapes endlessly um I you know you get into a little bit of a pattern how you do it and and you can or you know I've got quite a sort of control freak side of me that I'm never quite satisfied with the yeah. tape. So I want to do another one and another totally. one and another one. And, yeah. and, you know, that can be a bit too 
full on at times. So I think there's something about being on holiday where I sort of went, oh, good, lovely. I've got an audition. But at the same time, I'm on, I'm on holiday. So I'll just do it. Yeah, I'll spend half an hour yeah. on the iPhone, quick tape in, you know, this rented villa that we're staying in. So, you know, against some wall and, you know, and then forget about it. And I think when you take that pressure off yourself, yeah. uh, it, it sort of frees, frees something inside you. And so, yeah, I just remember doing this tape kind of on holiday, sent it off. And, um, for, for Kate, for Kate. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, um, and then by the time I got home, I, they'd asked me to come in and do, um, a chemistry test with, um, the character who plays Sophia. Amazing. Uh, uh, who who's my sort of love interest in in the drama and um and we did that and and then I got off with the part I mean it was all quite standard and straightforward yeah, and lovely wow. really it wasn't it wasn't a, a complicated process in any way and and then I sort of yeah read the book and you did um, read the book wow I did Amazing. read the book yeah of course I read the book uh, it was you know it's lovely I love it when you've got something yeah. to kind of well and it, it, you get such few chances i spoke about this with rufus on his episode to to work with great writing you know yeah, and yeah, yeah. and your character's amazing and you you absolutely annihilated in the best sense of the word you know oh, what you. what was it like digging your teeth in into kate um i really like spending time with kate like it, it's interesting isn't it sometimes i don't know if you find this but sometimes spending too much time with certain characters can can get to you totally whereas there was there was something about Kate that I liked because her life gets very complicated in the series yeah but essentially the person that she is at heart is someone who is pretty straightforward and she is a determined character she knows who she is and it's all of these outside influences that start to complicate things for her totally Actually, at, you know, her core person is, is she's very good at her job. In fact, she's I'd say she's probably a workaholic. And, you know, and I, you know, I could relate to this person who is driven and passionate and committed to finding the truth. You know, that's yeah. that's kind of what I do. If yeah, that's the actors. Um, you could, yeah, totally. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I loved playing her. And, um, and, and you know, and I loved the, the guy who plays my um, sort of, sidekick uh the character of nick yeah yeah he's uh he he was a lovely um actor to work alongside as well so we had a lot of fun um so it was and, and i just think the whole concept of the show is um it's amazing it's so in, it's so intriguing it's well, so intriguing I, I also think you know it's so astute and it's zeitgeisty of the moment where we're all alone you know and we're tired of these dating apps and like literally we would give anything just to be told that's your person you know and like it's, isn't it i mean i think it obviously when we made it this the world wasn't like this yeah i know so it's, it's kind of totally fortuitous in some sort of way although obviously yeah. no one wants this pandemic to have happened um but yeah we were filming it pre um covid times yeah I know. it's so weird watching people without masks i'm like oh what, what was that <laughs> you know i know and yeah. hugging and kissing yeah. and oh. all those lovely things yeah um yeah i know it is weird that now it's coming out that it sort of it would sort solve so many problems. I know, it really would. <laughs> and they and they'd be billionaires for sure. Well, of yeah. course. Yeah. You know, they, they they would be scarily powerful people. Um so yeah, I think um it's what's nice about it is that it's it is a sort of sci-fi concept, but it's not so far 
in the future or so yeah. far removed from from reality that you can't imagine it actually happening it yeah. doesn't you know we we've used dna now um in so many areas of life for to, to solve crimes and to advance science and to yeah. you know to to work out our ancestry that that to kind of find love seems to be quite a logical step as well you know totally. um and i guess also dating has changed so much in the last 10 years you know it used yeah. to be that you got to head go out and meet someone. You had to go meet yeah. someone and talk to them in a bar, you know. I miss now, that, you know, because d- dating apps are you're talking to a robot essentially, you know. Who is that person? You don't know yeah. who they are, and you don't know if they're real. You know, it's sad that we live yeah. in that. Yeah, and okay. it's just a two D. Fr- it's a set, you know. It's just you, they come to you come to life when you meet somebody, don't you? You can't yeah, you can't totally. tell somebody just from that picture. So, yeah, out of respect for Netflix, we're gonna avoid spoilers, but. I yeah. can, I believe I can ask you this question. Okay. Do you think in life, you know, we as humans, we have a one or do we find and cultivate a relationship and, and someone becomes the one? Ah, well, look at that for a question. Um, I think personally that there could potentially be multiple ones for people. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think that um, there's a, there's a, there's a romantic side of me that likes to think that there's just this only one person possibly yeah. be out there for you. You know, yeah. it's such a kind of romantic thought. But at the same time, I, the, the reality of that is just ridiculous. You know, no. there, there are so many people in the world. Yeah, and it's like 8 billion on earth, right? You of know? course. So yeah. there are bound to be people that more than one person that you would connect with on a yeah. deep level in your life. And, um, and that's also what makes life exciting you don't I I don't know I think that if if everybody suddenly knew exactly how to access their one person in life what would that do to society like I think people would suddenly a bit like how we're living now it would close people down they would just become much more insular and um so no I think I think finding love is is dependent on so many things it's obviously an intellectual spiritual physical connection but also being in the right time in your life to make yeah. that commitment and to do those things so so i, I yeah i think there's there's potential for all sorts of twos threes the the fours of the fives i'm totally. trying to make a joke about yeah. the name of the one but you know i think there's i think there's more than one person for everybody but you know hopefully if you're lucky enough to find one person that, that yeah it's, it's keeps you entertained and stimulated then how wonderful yeah, that's amazing. Well, that's so beautiful. You're so amazing in that show. And I I, I know you're going to have the most incredible next 10 years of your life. You're just, <laughs> you're going to be winning Oscars and Golden Globes. And oh, sure, I'm, sure. I'm going to be begging Laura <laughs> to be like, please give me Zoe again. Please, please. Oh, I'll do anything. That's so incredibly kind of you. Thank you. <laughs> can you talk about what, what you have upcoming? I see you got three projects that are at various uh, stages. Yeah. Yeah, um, well, the one that's coming up next, um, which I don't actually know when it's coming out because things have sort of shifted in these. Oh, these because of time. movies. Yeah, of course. Um, but it's a lovely, well, it's not lovely. It's a really dark film called Ire, I-R-E, um, which is all set in um, a high security prison. Wow. And it tells the story of a, a sort of middle-aged man who has committed these utterly appalling crimes he's absolutely deserves to be in prison um and he's become this sort of you know he's he's painted as a sort of sociopath psychopath call it what you will um but and and he's you know destined to spend the rest of his life 
in jail. Um, but then I come along and I'm a social worker and I come into this environment and I have this important um, news to tell him, which is that his daughter, who he's never met, or he met her as a, as a small child, but he, ended, he actually um, murdered her mother, no um, has now, is now a grown woman and she's decided that she wants to meet him. And she wants to find out who her father is, why he did what he did, and you know, to to find some sort of peace from it. Yeah. And you know, it's a it, my role is to kind of um, to try and access this man who's kind of seemingly dead behind the eyes, and say, look, actually, this isn't about you. This is about another life, yeah. and you have to do this for her. And and in the process of doing that, there's no getting away that he from the fact that he has committed these awful atrocities. But you do glimpse something else there. You glimpse yeah. that there is a human being there. Yeah. Um, and that's quite an interesting dynamic. Um, but it's very dark and it's it's it, there's brutal depictions of sort of violence within prisons and how um, prisoners are treated and how they treat each other. And um, so, yeah, very different sort of a, a show. Wow, very I British, can't wait to very check dark. It out. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's been it's been written and directed by uh, uh, Ross McCall. I don't know if you know him. He's an actor. Um, he was in Band of Brothers back in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he's a wonderful man. Um, and I actually met him um, on another film that's coming out or is, is out in Europe, but um, not elsewhere yet, called The Good Traitor. Oh. And, um, and that's a Danish film. Um, I play in America. I, gosh, I'm doing an American accent. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I, it's always terrifying to speak to someone about an American accent when they're actually American. Yeah, it's um, okay. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I met Ross on that. He played my husband. And um, and we discussed the fact that he was writing this this film. And and, uh, and then cut to kind of a year later, he's he's sort of ringing me up going, do you fancy? He delivered. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> That's, so, you know, so that's lovely when it happens. Obviously, it doesn't happen all the time, but it's lovely when it does. I'm so curious to ask you, you know, what's you're, you're, you're so incredible and you've been in so many amazing projects. Like, what is your North Star? What what gets Zoe sold on a project? Is it is it character? Is it cast? Is it director? Is it an amalgamation of, of everything? Um, it's a funny one, that question, because if in a, in a sort of ideal world and an ideal industry my answer would be that my north star is starts with script first yeah. and foremost always because uh, if the writing is good then everything else follows yeah um and you know certainly as an actor it is painful to say terrible lines oh, <laughs> and God. when I it know. is painful and i have said some terrible lines in my life i um, i say that on the show all the time like the hardest thing for up and coming actors is to be great and bad shit because that's all you're going to get for a while, you know? And it's also really hard that because a lot of the time when someone's trying to make bad lines good, um, they it, people always criticize the actor and not necessarily. I writing. know. <laughs> and it, it, you know, it's very frustrating. You great actors, even great actors will struggle with bad lines. Totally. You know? So, um, so I think the script is everything. But at the same time, at this stage in my career, as much as I would love to be able to choose projects that you know, out, that whichever projects I wanted based on on script and directors and and actors, I'm also a realist. Like I, you know, I live in the real world. I've been I've been grafting at, in this industry for almost twenty years, yeah. and I've had you know, just like every actor who is not a sort of superstar A lister you know, you have good times and bad times. And so 
the reality is also I just I just really want to work a lot. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like I just love You gotta working. survive. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to be able to pay my bills and I want to and I and I love being on sets. I love the camaraderie yeah. with crews and cast and and you know, and I I definitely thrive as a person in those environments. So um if you get a combination of 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 good work but also brilliant writing then you know wow that's just the dream <laughs> that's amazing and and i'm also so curious to ask you because you are a superstar and you're going to take over the world <laughs> have you ever thought about you know transitioning to america or do you have american reps or i do well i do i have um a lovely um agent laurie bartlett um with icm oh and, yeah um, great she you know I, I, funnily enough i think at the beginning of my career that was definitely what i really wanted to do yeah um and certainly when i sort of at sort of in my 20s i that was very uh, it was quite a popular thing for brits to do to come across to america and do and pilot take season all our work <laughs> and take all your work <laughs> <laughs> and um and I, I made a few trips across and I never really kind of grabbed or bagged those sorts, the sorts of roles that were really sort of thrilling. So I, and I was getting really lovely work yeah. at home. So, um, so that, that sort of happened. And, and then of course, as I've spoken about, I, you know, I've, I've got a family now and, yeah. and that plays a huge part in my decision-making about where I want to be. But, um, but obviously, you know, America makes unbelievably good TV. Yeah. So, and, unbelievably wonderful films so if but we need unbelievably rose, talented people like zoe because we oh, don't have an ryan i mean I every word of it you every week please just like yeah i would we'll do this but I, I i really like you know i think you could shine here and take off to the next stratosphere you know, oh, make well, Kira Knightley look like, you know, someone <laughs> doing amateur drama. <laughs> no against I think she's, <laughs> she's fine. She's great, but yeah, very incredible. I think she's doing okay. Yeah. Oh, that's very kind of you. And my goodness, if the opportunity arose, I'd be there in a heartbeat. Or maybe <laughs> you, you could do a Star Wars because I think they they film in, in England, don't they? So have you got have you got any ins? Can you get I, me in? I, you know, JJ and I be next <laughs> like to each this. other one time at a stall. So I'll, I'll have to email him and, and let yeah, him know. Yeah, you get me in Star Wars, I'll yeah. get you in Peaky Blinders. <laughs> All right, cool. I, I will take that deal. But, uh, I, you know, uh, uh, not to get too serious, but, you know, winding down here, it's been a really, really tough year for the world, for artists, for anyone, really, you know. And it's 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 been really tough to stay inspired and, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for your performance in the one because, you know, I think one of the best things about being an actor is, you know, you, you get to be inspired and you get to steal. So I'm, I'm going to yes. be stealing from you. And oh. <laughs> I'm curious though, you know, what's, what's anchored you, you got a family, obviously. Yeah. Like, how, have you, how have you stayed inspired? Um, It has been the most unbelievable of years that none of us could Especially ever fathom three happening. lockdowns for you guys too you three know? Lo yeah. are you in a lockdown or does that no not, not it, same thing? we were like no restaurants but it's nothing like i hear you know it is over there yeah so no we're in a we're in the third lockdown everything's closed all the schools are closed the shops are closed the cinemas the restaurants everything um and we're slowly coming out of that there's there's a hope on the horizon um but actually, I think, I think what I've realised more than ever, actually, during this time, is that um, 
instead of the entertainment industry sometimes being considered perhaps um, a bit frivolous or or something that's on the periphery of life, it's suddenly become very central our, to our lives. Our savior, totally. Yeah, like yeah. we have, you know, it's it, it not only kind of is some somewhere where we can um, communicate with the rest of the world and and hear other people's stories, but it's it's kind of a place where we can escape and and find solace and safety and yeah. and that I think has been. Is, is a huge thing actually I mean I've always found solace and safety in 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 that in the arts and in those worlds but I think it's almost become it's become much bigger now and people yeah. are everywhere are recognizing that um so so yeah I think with everything like I think lots of people who are creative need that that adrenaline they need yeah. that that buzz they need that creativity and and I have certainly tried as much as I can um during this time you know in balance with all the other things that are going on in my life but I have tried to watch really good stuff on television yeah. read really good books um but I've also watched a lot of trash as well of course, watched, as we all need because, to yeah because there's there's different uh, you know you need to sort of watch different things at different times and there's um, a reason tiger king was the most successful netflix show you know <laughs> who didn't watch tiger king i know king, I mean. um so so yeah i think there's room for it all and and you know and i also have i also write so i've been i've been oh, really focusing um in on that which which has been a revelation to me as well, because I've never really had a, a sort of solid period of time where just I've just been, you know, to be able yeah. to just go, okay, I'm really going to, you know, challenge myself to, to do some writing every day. So, so I found ways to be creative. I think that's, and, and you know, in amongst just trying to sort of survive like the rest yeah. of us, you know, we're all just trying to get through as best we can. Yeah. So, that's such yeah. a beautiful answer. And that brings me to my final question is, you know, for all the young Zoe's or Ryan's <laughs> who don't come from a, a parent, a lineage of actors, what advice would you have for all the upcoming artists out there? You know, um, such, it's so different now, you know, from the time yeah. you came up and the time I came up and yeah. the way content is made and, you know, we, any words of wisdom you might have? I think it is really tricky for people coming up now but there are also benefits to coming up now that weren't around when we were perhaps entering into the industry. Um, the fact that our auditions and things are done online a lot of the time means that they're seeing far more people for each role than they ever yeah. were before. The fact that you can have some kind of agency over your own work. I think sometimes what I've found um, frustrating about our industry is that often you feel quite powerless as an actor. Totally you feel that your, you know, your life sometimes or your career certainly is at the mercy of a casting director or a yeah. director or your agent. And, you know, and that can be a really sort of damaging place to be sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I would say to people who are coming up and starting now is, is obviously, you know, you need all of those qualities that we all have always needed. You need determination, you need grit, you need resilience, you need passion in bucket loads because you have to love what you do. Otherwise you wouldn't put up with all the downsides yeah. of these things. But there's also a wonderful side to, to this life and a yeah. wonderful side to this industry. And so go for it and do whatever you can to engage with the world that you're trying to enter into and, you know, write your own stuff, film your own stuff. You've, we've all got many little yeah. You know, cinema recording camera. devices yeah, now. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
get together with other people who also love this kind of world and, yeah. and make things together and and keep going and, and realize your own worth. Like don't yeah. ever feel like even if you're getting lots of rejections and setbacks or you're not getting the auditions that you want, try not to let that get in the way of who you are as a person and what who and 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 realize that you know that your value comes from everything everything you're doing all the time is adding to the grand map of your life and eventually something will happen and it just takes that one little moment that one foot in the door that one little spark to create a whole flurry of other opportunities so you just have to keep going keep swimming (laughs) yeah such beautiful words zoe tapper this was such an immense pleasure i have so much respect and love for you i feel like i've known you for years now and i'm just so (laughs) genuinely excited for all the great things that are coming your way and for the world to see this project and you know i i I would love to have you back anytime it would mean so much to me and thank uh, you so much yeah you've honestly i've had a wonderful time talking to you and your enthusiasm and and the your ability to listen is wonderful. Like it's amazing sometimes when you have interviews with people that you can tell they're just not listening to you. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Um, God. And obviously that comes from the fact that you're an actor as well. So you get it, but yeah. it's, um, it's, it's been a total, total pleasure. Thank you for having yeah. me. Yeah. And, and let's find a project to work on. It's a pandemic. Let's, so let's do it. Let's do it. I let's write the next Vicky blinders. We'll do it. Oh my God. Yeah. So. You'll be Grace. I'll be Tommy. <laughs> I'm so there. <laughs> All right. Zoe, thank you so much. I got so much thank love for you. you. All right. Talk Take soon. Take care of yourself. Bye. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.